Hey, hello, how's it going? Welcome to the Bloody Stream Podcast. I'm Brian, and I'm riding solo this week. Um, the last seven or so days have been pretty rough for your co-hosts. Um, we've both been both been under the weather, not feeling too well, um, and I just managed to be the less unwell at this point, so I am up here making sure we get some content out because we didn't push anything forward. Um, we had we did Leprechaun last week. I don't have to tell you. It, it takes a lot out of you to record and watch Leprechaun 3 and 1 and 2 together. Um, but I'm here talking about probably just a quickie review of um, a new movie, brand new movie that just came out called X, which is a Thai West uh, horror film, obviously. Um, and it's uh, streaming nowhere. That's right, folks. This one isn't streaming. I actually went out into a theater to go see this. Um, also, probably why it'll be a quickie review, because especially since it's out in theaters, it's not like, you know, you got to pay money for that. Um, I will do a spoiler configuration part of this to talk about things at the end and, you know, the big plot points and stuff. Um, but I'll try to keep more of it balanced to um, non-spoilers versus spoilers so that you guys can still listen and kind of get things from this without just hearing everything. Um, yeah, but uh, it's an interesting movie. Um, I saw the trailer uh, however long ago, and I was immediately intrigued. Uh, I believe the rest of the gang, including our Instagram runner Melanie, wants to go see this movie, so I will probably be seeing this again pretty soon. The rating I would so it's streaming in theaters. It's available in theaters now. You have to it's a twelve whatever your ticket price is one time stream and then you gotta do it again. <laughs> this is stupid. The rating I would give it is I would give it a Mr. Cool, I think. Excuse me. I was kind of tough. Not necessarily tough on this, but um, I, I had a bit of a back and forth as to whether to simply just give this a smiling or Mr. Cool. But personally, I do think it was worth going out into theaters, but it's not the... It's not like blow your hair back amazing or anything. Um, it's just a well-crafted horror film. Um, for the vibes, I'll say this. The basic premise is it's set in the 70s and a group of porn people, like, you know, a group making a porno film, go to a farm where they're going to shoot a porno and then horror stuff happens. So I don't, you know, I want to be as vague as possible in that regard outside of the spoiler configuration. But um, yeah, it, it's pretty simple in terms of plot sort of thing. Jorge and I had a discussion about this, as well as Shannon, on the previous episode for Fresh that you can uh, check out now, obviously, um, where we talked about this idea of kind of having predictable plots and where that kind of places with our ratings of things. Um, and for me, it's it still does matter. Like, barring certain exceptions, I do like to have a bit of... Um, I don't want to say suspense, you know, um, 
twists and turns for the sake of them, but like having something new in the plot where you're not necessarily expecting it or like you can see it coming, but it's clever because the movie wants you to see that sort of thing. Um, this is pretty standard fare plot wise, nothing crazy in it. Um, but it is like this 70s, the trailer especially is like, this is like a 70s fun kind of crazy thing. But it, uh, the, the vibe I would kind of put as a more, it's sort of like a old, like original Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe, but like A24. I was going to call this Slasher Deluxe originally, and I think that still kind of works, but it's not exactly the same thing. Um, it, it has this mix of like the new age, sort of like, let's do an eerie uh shot and have something move in the background for that like part of the scare but then it will have like some real traditional things going on that I think are I think it's good like I truly think it is very good and I would recommend this movie that's why I'm giving it the Mr. Cool and you know actually settling on it um but it wasn't I think I was going in expecting something more maybe camp or maybe like wild in some senses Whereas I didn't get exactly that, I kind of got something that's a good mix of two things, but it never ends up, like, reaching above the stars sort of thing, if that makes sense. Like, it evenly distributes in its two graphs, but they keep, since they keep the same level, they only go as far as they can. They're not, you know, tipped one way or the other that pushes it past into some new category. Um... It, it is very good. It is kind of... It is eerie. It's a lot more quiet and um, suspense than you would think, I think, from the trailer. Um, as for warnings, nothing really. Um, there's no sexual violence. There's no... As far as I remember, there's no real animal violence, you know, to animals. Um, and there's there's some implied, like you know, race sort of things, but it's 1979 and there is a black character in this. So you get certain things like insinuated and maybe looks, but nothing like outright, no racial slurs or anything like that. Um, yeah. It, so it's directed by, uh, directed, written and produced by, made very clear at the end credits about that. Uh, Ty West. I don't mean to shit. I'm not shitting on him. I'm just, it's always funny when you see, like, four different things under someone's name during the credits. You're like, wow, you, re you really cared about this project. And it's nice. It's good because it gives it vision and it gives it a sense of purpose and, like, things like that. But it is always funny to dunk, to just unnecessarily dunk on people for caring about what they worked on. So, <laughs> um, it was directed by Ty West, who is a name in horror for sure, but someone I was surprisingly unfamiliar with. I'd heard the name quite a bit, but never actually dug into them. I think because some of the people I talked to gave more mixed reactions, and I wasn't really expecting that, so I think I avoided stuff. The notables that I saw were their solo projects included House of the Devil, The Innkeepers, and The Sacrament. Uh, they also did... I did actually see some of their work because they worked on segments for ABCs of Death and for VHS, which VHS I have seen and liked quite a bit. So 
maybe I've enjoyed uh, West's work before, but I'm not too certain. Uh, I did like this a lot, so I will probably be going back to those other movies and checking them out just to see if they... This is always the problem when you get, like, a feature release like this, because this is, like I said, this is out in theaters now. This is on a wide release scale. They're giving this a chance, even though it's March, um, and it's the pandemic still, but they are giving this, like, a fair shake in theaters. You do, like, you know, that's, that's not nothing for a thing like this, where a lot of times you'll get just limited release or even straight onto a streaming service style things where it's not about making this this has a chance to like make box office and that sort of thing where uh, but I liked it so like I said I gave it a Mr. Cool I would I'll probably be going to this again to see it with Jorge and our friend Melanie which you can find on multiple episodes of the show if you go to the bloodystream.com <laughs> um it's weird doing all the plugs by myself but uh yeah I, I like I enjoyed this I feel like Generally, people might like this, but I feel like some people will be, I don't want to say turned off, but they'll be a little confused, and it might not hold them enough to get to the parts that they will think are more traditional and will like more. Uh, but, I mean, it's not that long of a movie, to be honest. I think it's like an hour 40-something. It's nothing crazy. It is... At least it didn't run that slowly I will say that I have to I'm trying to see if I can get to some stats on the runtime but uh oh hour 45 yeah this it's fine there's no and it doesn't really waste its motion it is slow and thoughtful looking I think is the best way to put it because things aren't necessarily being meditated on or thought about or shown to any crazy extent in this movie but it's still got those vibes. It's got a lot of, like, this is one thing I'll say. Um, and this is kind of getting into my movie section of my notes. But it's very slow in terms of the camera itself for a lot of the movie. And I think it tends to build up and go faster and faster as the movie progresses. Like, by the end, the camera shots and the camera movements are more... Um, fast and fluid and that sort of thing but a lot of the beginning is a lot of like all the pans all the dollies or moves of the camera are very slow and methodical it's it's interesting I couldn't help but notice it and that's why it's in my notes like it was one of the few things that I very vividly remember in the movie was how deliberate the camera movements were especially I would say the first half of the film maybe even a little bit more of that, but at least the first half of the movie, it's very, all of the shots are slow as possible. Even the ones with the van, like, you know, they're the characters in their van as they're going to the farm. Like he still, he'll use zoom outs to try and keep it in the frame as long as possible so that he can keep moving it slowly as we enter in to the situation. Excuse me. Um, my nose is a little still, um, blocked up. So, Forgive that if you hear anything. Um, anyway, it is, like I said, it's very slow and deliberate. And I think that's on purpose to set your pace and your expectations with it. Because once we do get to the, you know, stuff, the horror of the movie, 
it helps a lot to keep you in this sort of slower rhythm so that when things jump off or move faster, you are like, whoa, I'm, you feel more, I don't want to say unnerved, but you do feel different because of the change in pace. Um, the one thing I did want to bring up that I thought was really effective in this was the small cast. There's maybe one, two, three, I think maybe 14 people in this movie total. 12, 12 people. There's literally a dozen people in this movie, and uh, they all do a really good job uh, overall. I mean, some of the small parts are nothing, so it's it's just some guy holding the thing going, hey, what about this? But, you know, the people who need to really do their jobs well, I think, in this, it's, I called it small but efficient, you know, like it feels like a gorilla crew. Um, a couple of, so the mainstays, the main people here are Mia Goth, Brittany Snow, Jenna Ortega, Martin Henderson, and <laughs> Scott Mescudi, but you know him as Kid Cudi, the hip-hopper, the rapper. Um, it's very surreal to see him in this movie, frankly. I just watched Don't Look Up, which was the Netflix movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Jennifer Lawrence, and he's also in that. Um, he plays a rapper in that, but in this he plays a character named Jackson Hole, which is a subjectively awesome name and tremendous, and I love it. But it was very cool to see him pushing into this sort of horror genre, um, essentially diving in with both feet on a Ty West film about 70s porno grindhouse-style stuff. Like, this, it's not crazy, but, like, it is cool that this is one of the movies he chose to be in. Um, he also... I think he might be a big horror guy. I don't know for sure. Like, I haven't read any interviews with him. But I kind of want to now because he also showed up in an episode of the Creep Show show in, I believe, the Shudder one, if I'm looking at this correctly. Let me see. 2019. Yes, he was in Bad Wolf Down, if you guys have seen that one. Um, yeah, he's he's quite fun in this. He... It's nothing crazy. Again, it's not as, like I said, it's not as campy or wild as I expected. So, like, the characters are characters, which is good because we care about them once the bad stuff happens. But I was kind of expecting, like, the the more rosy acting, like, hot dang stuff. And there's really one character who kind of does that. But even then, he doesn't really do it. Um... But Kid Cudi is definitely not it. Um, we also have a couple of alums from the podcast, actually. Which is what I like about doing a recent movie like this. Because all the other movies inherently are going to be, you know, a little bit further back. So we get to actually get some callbacks here. Um, we have Stephen Yuri, U-R-E is his last name. Who is Howard in this film. Who is the old man. In this film, there's the old man and the old woman, Howard and Pearl, who are the, I guess you'd call them antagonists, but they're the, they're the people who own this farm. And um, he actually was Ricky Daggers in the movie Deathgasm, which was our episode with John from Eyes of Astoria, one of our episodes of John with from Eyes of Astoria that you can check out now as well. Um, and we also have, who's really seeming to be making a name for herself now and really hitting a stride, is Jenna Ortega 
who showed up in Babysitter Killer Queen, but is also in the latest Scream film. So she's got Scream, she's got this. I think she she seems to very much be an up-and-comer horror-wise, I and mean, probably just acting-wise in general. But um, she was really good in this. Everyone, like I said, everyone was really good in this. They did all their parts really well. Um, you get a real sense of chemistry with the cast together, and you get a real sense of the awkwardness with the people who don't belong because a couple of the characters are there's the filmmaker uh Owen Campbell plays RJ who is like the student film guy he (laughs) Wayne who is Martin Henderson says he gets him from the university and is you know paying him on the whatever to make a dirty movie um and he's very like high-minded and is like I'm gonna use like French techniques because they're so good and important versus (laughs) Uh, I think one of his lines is just because you can, because you can truly make a good dirty movie or something. Um, he's, he's good. He's a little, he seems a little skeevy, but he's not. He's just more of a, like a shy kind of character, but, um, but not really. Uh, uh, the other person I wanted to shout out or the final person I wanted to shout out was Brittany Snow. Because um, not only was she in the movie Hairspray, the 2005, maybe 2006, uh, Hairspray film, but the only credit that really mattered to me, and this is big shouts out to all my Kingdom Hearts boys and girls, and thems, uh, everybody, all my Kingdom Hearters, I don't know how that works, but, (laughs) oh god, Uh, anybody who's played Kingdom Hearts 2 will recognize Britney Snow. No, you won't. But she voiced the character Namine in the Kingdom Hearts series, which is so fundamentally ridiculous that I get to say the name Namine on this show of all shows that I have. Um, um, yeah, it's... I don't even know what to say about that. But it's quite... Oh, I might be wrong. Hold on a second. Let me double check. Did I see that wrong? I think I did. Where? I'm sorry, folks. Did I just completely black out and believe... No, nominate right there. Wow, I just can't read. Sorry, folks. It's 100% nominate. I'm leaving that in because I look like an idiot. And I want to make sure that people understand how it is to be... a. Alone on this podcast when you can't have anyone save you with vamping while you look up stuff and you have to deal with it yourself. Um, it's fine. It's a professional show, I swear. But um, <laughs> yeah, I really like, I do really like Brittany Snow. I think she's the closest to what I expected in this movie. She's this very bright, confident character, Bobby Lynn, who is, you know, one, she's going to be one of the actresses in the movie. Um, by the way, I big shouts out to Kid Cuddy for being a producer on this film. And I, I'm going to assume, apropos of nothing, also getting to be the actor who has all of the sex scenes in the... Like, is the porn star stud who bangs everybody. <laughs> and everybody sees it and goes, wow, he's good at having sex. And talks about his big dick. Um, and also is a producer. Weird how that happens. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> But 
like uh, Mia Goth, who is essentially, I mean, Maxine, she plays Maxine, who we follow, I think, the most. We're with the group almost the entire time. But she seems to be having the most um, thoughtful experience. Like, a lot's going on with her. Um, she, there's a lot of her walking around thinking, not talking. And it is visually nice. But it feels a little odd in, like, this movie, of all things. Um, it's not bad. It's just odd, like I said. It's a little strange. It's not what I was expecting. Um, but it's not necessarily, like, incompetent. You know what I mean? It does get across what it's trying to get across um which she does a really good job of she's very she's engaging she's an engaging actress uh or actor I don't know actually the if we use the neutral actor for but she is engaging in the film and everybody really is you get a lot of their wants and needs pretty easily inside of the film uh Jenna Ortega has a nice little arc um yeah, Mia Goth and Jenna Ortega seem to have the biggest, like, arcs where they're changing, I think, the most through the film and sort of what things do to them. But uh, I also want to shout out Pearl, the old woman in this, who also kind of has an arc. It's very interesting. Um, and her and Howard's relationship is explored, which is very nice. Um, yeah, uh, with that... Uh, no, I have a few other things that I can talk about non-spoilery. Uh there, there's quite a few licensed songs. This, again, gets back into my expectations. Because the main trailer I watched uses a Fog Hat song, which I really am glad I got to say Fog Hat. It's, I don't, it feels like it's wrong every time I say Fog Hat. But they have a couple of licensed songs in this. A um, couple of big 70, you know, 70s hits. Don't Fear the Reaper does show up. Um, but they're used pretty sparingly, I think. There's a couple of times where they bleed together a little bit but it's all in certain parts of the film where they're good it's not just like hey 70s isn't that fun look at look at 70s remember 70s look at this 70s thing it, it's not that it's they're pretty well placed and on purpose um otherwise the soundtrack is one of the bigger things that sets up the eerie atmosphere, I will say. It's a lot of, like, minimal instrumental with some, like, vocalizations. Almost making, like, a very slow beat or, like, thing with it. Because um, you'll get, like, a little bit of drum and then, like, uh, 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 like that sort of, like, wispy vocal sort of thing. Some of which I'm almost certain, but I'd have to go back and watch to double check, is I will say some of the vocalizations are definitely moans of, like, from the porn, or meant to evoke moans of pleasure from, like, a porno, aka the things they film in the movie, which, by the way, they just show them, you know, it's, it's a, they're making a, it's a movie about making a porno. They they showed sex. Sorry, guys. I can't believe it. Um, but it is it is very... It, the music does a really good job in a couple of scenes in particular to really enhance the simplicity of what's happening on screen. Like, there's nothing crazy camera move-wise or, like, shot selection or shot creation-wise. You know, nothing's 
changing the world with like a shot, like a one or anything like that. Um, there's a few, there's definitely creative stuff going on, but it's not like that isn't where the heavy focus is. It's a lot of, like I was bringing up before, didn't kind of reiterate the point. It's a lot of just getting every little like requirement to good to really good and then leaving it there. Like you don't want to spend all your points on one of these and kind of sacrifice something. So Ty West kind of just made everything pretty good and it turns into a good movie. Like that's kind of where it ends up at, which is strange to talk about because I feel like it makes it sound bad, but it doesn't. It is a perfect, it's a good film. Um, the one the this was the one thing that is interesting for me um so the shots themselves are pretty simple it actually feels even though there's no like grain or filter on it the only filter is on the actual uh pornos that are made in universe so they have they look like film when we watch them because they are um the movie itself doesn't really have any like grains or pops on it that make you think you're watching a 70s film like you, you you feel like you're watching a 70s film from everything in the frame, not what's happening to the frame sort of thing, if that makes sense. There was something that was very interesting for me, which was, it, it was, I don't know if it was to indicate these things happening at the same time or just an interesting way to transition through scenes, but West does this thing where a scene will be ending and you'll be on the final, like, maybe shot or two of it. And very suddenly, it'll cut to a new shot of a completely different scene. And then it'll go back to the shot you were just on. And then it'll go back to that new scene. And it'll go back to that shot you were just on. Maybe change over into, like, another part of the final set of shots. Um, and then go back to that new scene and have, the, like, while that one's still moving. And get us into the new moment. Um... I, I, another rewatch would be necessary, but I found it very interesting. Like, I didn't know if it was indicating a sense of these things are like an odd, eerie meanwhile idea, or like just a way to move on, or even a way to say like, as this is happening, as in we're kind of going back in time to like, follow where we are at the end of the scene that just happened um I'm not too sure but it was it was notable like it happens multiple times and it I mean I'm sure it's also to deal with let me let me let me pause there for a second it has to deal with the transitioning out of the scenes but it also does have to deal with the fact that thematic similarities are happening or you know even plot similarities are happening between two scenes. Um, there's one of those intercut with the porno that's being filmed with one of the other characters walking around and interacting with someone else. And the, the little bits of dialogue that we do get between the two and the movement of them does sort of imply the other with the use of, you know, with where you're cutting it and editing it in. It makes it like, Basically, one character stands up in the porno scene, and then in the normal scene, the regular, like the other scene, they're already walking away from the table that they were sitting at. So you're like, ah, we're we're doing this mix of these same things, ha these parallels happening at the same time. Uh, as to the point of it, 
I'm not really sure. I kind of think it's just a fun filmmaking technique, but I may revisit that later when this actually gets onto a streaming service and we can do a sort of proper episode on it. But I don't know. The <laughs> This is one of my negatives. The Well, sorry. Let me start with the positive on this because I do want to bring it up and then explain how some of it does get fucking completely ruined. But uh, the tension buildup is really good in this. Again, it's like an A4, A24 type horror film. They are all good, even though they're all different directors and different vibes and different things like that. Um, they do... This one does still follow that thing of it is able to scare you with stuff that isn't just going habooga booga booga. It's not just uh, Eustace Bags with his big scary mask to yell at Courage and have him jump up in the air. Um, big shouts out to Courage, Cowardly Dog. Framed exactly what I think of horror and feel about horror all the time now. Um, yeah, there, there's a great scene. There's a great scene in the lake with Maxine, and I'll just leave it there. But um, incredibly simple and effective buildup of tension that, like, I was literally moving around. Like, oh, like, I don't want to deal with this. Um, the negative part of this is that West does end up using some jump scares and I'm not gonna lie I think that's also part of why this isn't this is my why I debated a smiley versus a uh, Mr. Cool was because these they were really egregious uh they were like straight up jump scares it was and they're fake outs like they're not even the typical type of thing they're jump scares they are jump scares in the sense of that's what a jump scare is it's a jump scare isn't the person going the killer showing up I mean it can be if it's done poorly but mostly a jump scare is just somebody jumping and making you go oh and scream because they went ah at you um there's a couple of those that are pretty egregious in this but they don't really for me, they don't ruin it, but I could see them being like, oh, fuck, like really taking you out of the tension because they did that. Um, not really you. Anyway, uh, they, they're okay. But um, I will say, so the tension building is really good. I think once things start get go- start to get going, um, the kills and that sort of stuff in this is really good. Um, and here, I think, because I'm going to be wrapping up soon... I will. No, you know what? I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna try to keep everything out of spoiler configuration territory. I think I'm gonna give you a full thing. Um, and if please let me know on this, leave a comment somewhere on one of these, probably on this if you can. Let me know if anything you thought was like should have belonged in the spoiler configuration here, because if we end up doing. I would love that as notes-wise. And I'm sorry it's on a movie that's out in theaters, but it is important to, like, get that feedback to see, oh, that should... Like, people need to be warned before that information is out there. Um, if anything egregious comes up, just let me know. But the all the kills, like, once the mayhem starts, uh, it's all really good. There's a couple of legitimately... I was, like, <laughs> you know, laughing kills in this um but everything's pretty sad there's maybe one or two that are like bleh but every pretty much all of them are really good so you get like once you get into it even if you've been bored 
for the first part of it, you still get something out of it. Um, this is another, the, the one final part I'll touch on with this is the weirdness of the two vibes coalescing with the theme of the film. Because the theme of the film has to do a lot with age, age, uh, the age gap, like old versus young, and sort of what those two generations get from each other and hate about each other and want from each other and how they interact with each other in a lot of ways, um, which is nice and it works well, but it is kind of surfacey, which. I say that negatively, and it just goes back to the thing I talked about before of the two vibes meshing is they kind of have a theme, and it does, there, there's some level of payoff to it, but it's not, like, interwoven throughout. It is there, but not, maybe, I'll put it this way, maybe it's not explored as much as I thought it would be. It is touched upon, and it is used but it's not as deep, I guess, about it. Um, which, again, not to say it's a bad thing or a knock on it, more so that I was... It's weird with the marriage of these two things that you kind of go, yeah, at a certain point, we don't really care about this. Not that we don't care. Um, we don't have time. This next thing isn't going to be about exploring this theme and what young people have to feel about old people in relation to sexuality with themselves or that sort of thing. But it, it it's like we have stuff to do. It's a horror film. We got to get to it. Um, I, I didn't know. It, it was good, but I don't think it was... I think it was. It should have either shit or get off the pot. And I think for me, with this movie, the way it already is, I think it should have stuck with it and tried to dig down further than it did I think it ends up kind of going back to like ah we're doing a movie about 70s porno people so we're gonna be a little whatever and kind of let that carry some of it I think they had a little bit of an opportunity to explore that further that's that's my only real criticism of the movie because I love this is my thing I love you know campy like kind of fun stuff and I love eerie, upsetting stuff. So this having both of those works for me. It, like would never that marriage doesn't like lose, even if it doesn't fulfill both of its full potentials. I'm still like that's a good marriage. Those those are good together. Um, yeah. And the final thing I'll say is big shouts out, uh, in my opinion, to the makeup people on this because, oh my god. The, the way Pearl and Howard look is very fundamentally upsetting. If you, if you are scared of alts, this is one thing, and big shouts out to one of my friends in particular, and if he's listening, he will know who he is. Uh, if you are uncomfortable around elderly people, if you're uncomfortable around old people, you know, elderly, very old, you will probably dislike this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'll say. Um, there's incredible makeup work in this movie. Holy moly. Yeah, I'm, I think the Mr. Cool still stands. I think I'm a little firmer on it, to be honest, getting to talk it out. 
But yeah, I would say go check it out. Give it a shot. Maybe help a horror movie make some money instead of just having the usual comic book shit make the only money at the box office. Um, also, there is a... I haven't seen it, no review on it, but big shouts out. Sandra O stars in a movie called Umma, U-M-M-A, which I believe is the Korean word for mother. It looks interesting. I've only seen a little bit of a trailer because I kind of stopped it on purpose and went, I hope you don't spoil anything, but we may check that out. That might be a mention in one of the later episodes. Um, we will be back to full strength next week, but we want to give a big shout out to John from Eyes of Astoria for our theme song, Deadwalk, which you're probably listening to now. We want to bit shout out Melanie for running our Instagram. Um, we want to have a big, massive shout out to our sister podcast, Downtime with John and Emily, the how-to podcast by siblings who don't know anything. You can find them on getdowny.com or on social media at Downey Siblings, D-O-W-N-E-Y, siblings as in brother and sister. You can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram, at BloodyStreamPod. Make sure to leave a review. Make sure to leave a comment if you thought this was terrible, because I love hearing those, and those make me feel good. And we will talk to you. Same bloody time. Same bloody channel.